It's time for the Board Game Barbecue Podcast. Sit back, relax, find your favourite camping chair and join us around the fire. From wherever you're listening around the world, welcome to Australia's favourite board gaming podcast. The Board Game Barbecue, brought to you by addicts, not experts. Welcome to episode 136. Hooray! We made it to my favourite number of all time. And I bet you didn't know that. And today on the show, we have my co-hosts, Mitch. Hey, you doing, Mitch? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? 136, yeah, doing eh? Good. Yeah, that's right. That's an interesting that's my, number. It is. It's the it's the age I will get to. That's my uh, prediction. <laughs> so that's why it's what, my favorite number. In months? <laughs> well, yeah, probably. <laughs> I reckon. Be close. And then also we have in camera, we have Jules. Hey guys, how's it how's it going? Yeah, good. And then down in Melbourne, we have Dan. How you doing, Dan? G'day, lads. And hey. they said it wouldn't last. We're, hey, one hundred thirty-six. No, right. And we, we're actually everyone's in a different state. I was just going to yeah. say we're a bit of an East Coast spread here, aren't we? Hey. We're a quadrilogy or whatever it is, quadrilogy, <laughs> something with a quad in it. We're a quad. Quartet. There you go. Yeah, um, like barbershop. Hello. 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 <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Those poor people listening to this. What has happened? Get Steve back. Get Steve back right now. I can do I can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, today we're gonna talk about some sizzling games, obviously, and our topic this pod is gonna be hybrid games and just the influx of hybrid games we've seen coming into the market, what they mean, what we think of them, what works well, what doesn't work well, like all these different kind of things. Because I think that we have a lot more to see from hybrid games. So mm. it's going to be an interesting conversation. We're going to have the bracket battle, and then we're going to finish with a bunch of oaths, probably unfulfilled by look <laughs> on Mitch's face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Let's. Should we just get straight into the sizzles? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. Anyone in particular want to go first? I'll go first. Oh, well, there you go. Well done, Dan. Yeah, Thank you. I'll, yeah, I'll age before I'll beauty. Ball. Yeah, <laughs> age before. Yeah. Um. So I've been playing a, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff lately. But the the one thing that I wanted to bring to the pod because I haven't heard a lot about it is a Kickstarter that I received well, about a week ago from BoardGameTables dot com. Now I love these guys. Um, and it's funny because I, when I bought this, I also in the pledge manager picked up on tour and I had no idea on tour was such a great game. I, I was almost going to sizzle that, um, tonight instead. And if you recall, um, probably about six, twelve, six to 12 months ago, I backed, um, loot of Lima from these mm-hmm. guys as well. Really, really love that. Mitch is, um, one of Mitch's favorite, favorite, <laughs> favorite <laughs> games. Um, but anyway, the, the game we're going to sizzle tonight is called Kabuto Sumo. Ah yes, I do know about this one. So cool. Yeah, and it's a um, it's a dexterity game, and I've been playing it a lot over the over the weekend with my son, and it's so much fun. So Kabuto Sumo, it's basically um, it's a like a, a Beatles wrestling, um, yeah, like like sumo wrestling. So you mm. put together um, Beatles Beatles wrestling, like John yeah. Lennon, yeah, yeah. So you put McCartney. McCartney against Lennon and. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. So oh. you've got you've got these little um, these little discs, and you push them onto this um, this round tableau 
that forms the the, the sumo ring essentially. And you know, have ever been to the arcades and you get those money pushes where you put you put coins in and they all slide all the coins around. I love those things. Yeah, well, I, it's, in it's Japan, I spent premise. fifteen hours playing one solidly to find out that all of the coins I'd won, I couldn't cash in because gambling is illegal in Japan. So all I won was weight of coin that I could bank into their their bank to pull out. It wasn't worth anything. (laughs) I was very upset because I thought I'd won like $400 worth of these coins. They didn't just make you cash it in for, you know, stuffed animals and stuff like that? No, they just, they didn't. At that place, it was like at Sega World and they just didn't. They They got their rule book out and were like, you can put it in here and sign it in. You can sign it out another day, but yeah, learn that lesson say, hard. Probably should have read the fine print, but it may not have been in a language. <laughs> I know, right, language. Sega, I'm coming for you. <laughs> anyway, so the, the, the components, the components from um, from board game tables is always first quality, first you know top quality. Anyway, but you put together this, you put together this um, table, which is a 3D table. It's a round ring. That's um, sorry, it's a round table that sits in between the two players. And whether you're playing two players, three players, or four players, there's a certain way to set up the table, and that's with these small, medium, and large size discs. And you also put your little bug, your beetle wrestler. In the middle of the in the middle of the ring, and what you're what you're doing is you're introducing new tiles, small, medium, or large, and you're sliding it onto the table, and hopefully pushing stuff off the other side of, of the table. And ideally, what you're trying to do is push that other your opposing beetle off your opposing wrestler. But because they're all round, nothing's guaranteed. You can try and push mm. it, but it doesn't always go the way you want. And so, whatever falls off the table, you get to put in your inventory. And depending on what kind of wrestler you've got, so you might have a, a titan beetle or a dung beetle or there's a stag beetle, rhinoceros beetle, bombardier beetle, and the expansion, which I got as well through Kickstarter, that's got other things like um, praying mantis and all these other sort of characters. They have additional um, kind of um, pieces that you can earn. So you can cash in a couple of like two smalls and a medium and get the claw for the stag beetle and that allows you to capture pieces as you push them onto the push them into the into the sumo ring um and there's a little platform that just you can move around so you can put you can put the 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 platform anywhere you want and then just slide these pieces in one at a time taking alternate turns to try and push ultimately push the other beetle off the table and in terms of dexterity games, it's 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 quite unique because most dexterity games are about balancing or removing things like a Jenga style, um, whereas this you're really sort of sliding and you can have a bit of strategy but because all the discs there are around, it's never guaranteed to pan out the way you want. Um, and we've been really enjoying it. Like the box says, uh, the box says. 15 to, to half an hour for for a game. That's about right. Most games are fairly quick. Um, but uh, Jack and I did have a game that went for over half an hour. We played for, for nearly 45 minutes and it looked like it was just it was just going to go backwards and forwards because um, he I had a I had a beetle whose ability was if my wrestler is touching his wrestler, then I get to have he has to give me one of the the discs from his inventory. So mm. I was trying to wear him down just through attrition, but then he had a his his ability was that if his beetle is, if his beetle is ever touching the very very edge, he gets to intro, he gets to introduce his special playing um, piece, which was like a cactus, because um, like he's like a cactus beetle. Or if there's no if, if if that's already in play, he gets to have one of the larger discs. So then of course, mm. and that's at the start of his turns, then he can use the larger disc or the cactus to really push his wrestler back into the middle of the table again. So there was a lot of toing and froing. And in the end I actually got him because 
well, he's he's six and a half, and so he was so focused on he was so focused <laughs> on getting so me proud off the table. Being a six year old, yeah, I <laughs> know. Oh, for, for real, I was almost going to throw in the towel and go, "How about we just start again?" Because it was going forever. But in the end, he was so determined to knock me off that he didn't notice that his was sliding towards the edge, towards the edge, and I just got one mm. good move and happened to mm. to knock it off. But there was a lot of to and fro, and I think that's that's part of the the fun as well. Because if it was really really simple to just knock a person off. Um, then you try and get the you try and maybe knock the bigger discs off and then use those discs to get more sort of distance as you slide yeah. it onto the table again. Um, but um, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with this, and I was I was I've been really really pleasantly surprised how how good this game is. I mean, like I said, the components are, are, are incredible. Um, yeah, Kabuto Sumo, a lot of fun. I did almost back this actually. Mm. It looks really good, and it's very different how you slide that piece in and. Mm. You're not flicking things, you know. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like the, yeah. when I first saw it, I thought it was like a flicking game, but when I looked at and read into it, that whole like sliding mechanism type thing was yeah. really cool. And mm. you can sort of you can put the platform anywhere you want and line it up, and as you push, suddenly it's like, oh, they're not going the way I want to go, and they'll sort of flip off the side, and you might not even not might not even affect the wrestler you're aiming for, but whatever falls off the table then goes into your inventory, so you can use that and, next time. Are and, they, and are they all round? Or yes. is the praying mantis? They're is all, the they're all round, round except for the special okay. the special um, tiles that you get for each character. And the, the, yeah. all the asymmetric, um, we, we played about three or four different kinds of bugs and then we settled on those, the ones that we liked. But again, with asymmetric powers, they are actually really well um, sort of well matched against each other. They're really, they're really well mm, balanced. Yeah, right. I haven't opened up the, um, the expansion ones because they are, they are different shapes. And the way you earn your special ability or what your special tile is is different as well. So sometimes you might have to cash in four, three or four small um, discs to earn your beetle. Um, other times you may have to um, push. You may have to put a double double discs, like a two discs, and slide two discs on. So of course, if, if you're sliding two discs on, then it's near the edge, which gives the other person the opportunity to actually knock it back off again, and then they they their inventory increases even more. Um, mm. It's really, really clever the way they've introduced different, different, um, different things, different rules, different rule sets for each of the different characters. Mm. Yeah, nice, cool. Mm. Well, that's Kabuto Sumo. Uh, is it going to retail, Dan? I would imagine it would eventually. Yeah, I think most of yeah. them do. Although I don't remember, I haven't seen Loot of Lima in retail, and that was about eight months ago that um, that that came out on Kickstarter. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, keep an eye out for it. Yeah, and maybe it'll come out and retail. I imagine soon. it will eventually because the the expansion that I got, well, the the box that I got actually had a Kickstarter KS symbol on it. So maybe that's how they were differentiating what goes to retail and what's what's what Kickstarter doesn't. only. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and cool. I got another one um on its way later in the year as well. They did uh, uh board game tables. They did it was a three pack of um Factory Funner and Bear something. So yeah, they've already got their next. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the one, the Ryan Courtney yeah. game and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I actually I added um, QE to my pledge for that as well. Oh nice, that's a fantastic game. Yeah, I've heard great things about that. So yeah, yeah I'm I've of, only played it the once. Had an absolute blast. The yeah, nice. Well, that's uh, Kabuto Sumo, and just to let everyone know that this month Two D Six are sponsoring the Sizzling Games. And they have posed the question to the community and the way to enter the competition will be to let them know via our Facebook post, what is your grail game? 
And what's a game that you just can't get your hands on maybe, or what is a grail game that, you know, you've always wanted and you've played once and never been able to sort of forget that experience and, and wanted to chase it and why it's your grail game basically. So on that note, I believe potentially this might be a grail game of yours, Jules, coming up, maybe. Oh, well. Potentially. Yes, but I've got a copy on the way, so. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So there yeah, you go. but the truck might get, like, <laughs> catch on fire. Don't even. Yeah. I, I know that this happens, right? I know. Yeah, Mitch knows this happens. Yeah. He knows a guy that can fix that, fix that up, <laughs> hey, Mitch? He knows people in, <laughs> people in low places. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, Jules, what did, you, what did you sizzle? Okay. So, this week I am sizzling uh, a game I played yesterday online, and I do have my copy. should be here in the next month or two, uh, and that's PAX Premier 2nd Edition. And, nice. my goodness, I really like this game. Um, it is, for those that don't know about it, PAX Premier is not not a simulation per se, but... The setting of the game is back in, or I want to say maybe 17th century Afghanistan. Um, it's it's definitely a long time ago, so I'm hoping I got, I got the right century. And it's all revolving around a historical event called the Great Game, I think. Basically, the government of Afghanistan collapsed at that particular time, and there was a bit of a power vacuum. And so the British and the Russians were coming in to, you know, claim claim territory and things like that and so in the game you're sort of you're dealing with characters and people and places from that particular particular time and how the game functions it's it's an area control tableau building card drafting sort of game there's a lot of mechanisms all going on at the same time it's a cold whirly game so of course there's some very unique ideas and and it's definitely on the heavier end of things um, but on your turn, it's quite simple. You, you get two actions. You can either buy a card off the market, you can play a card from your hand, or you can use an ability on a card in your tableau. That's essentially it. But there's a few uh, layers that you have to be aware of all at the same time. So there's regions on the board that you can control, and that gives you the rights to tax people with cards from those regions it gives you the right to build roads and armies on the board if you rule that region um then you've got um every player at the start of the game chooses whether they're going to be loyal to the afghans the british or the russians and through the card play there's many different ways in which you can switch allegiances just like on a dime so there's this constant like ebb and flow of, of um, certain factions becoming very powerful and people jumping ship and then they abandon ship. And it's just, it's such a fun, fluid game. And the pieces are beautiful. They have nice sort of chunky resin blocks that represent armies and roads. Um, the, the player boards, uh, sorry, I should say the game board is a cloth mat, which is really beautiful. It's really, really nicely made. Um but my goodness, I mean, I don't want to sit here and teach the whole game, but there's just so many layers of strategy going on in this game. I guess the one thing I will explain is um, where the cleverness of the game is, is that there's there's these cards that come out which are called dominance checks. And essentially, there's four of them and there's 
four times your score in the game. And basically what you do is you check if one faction has a successful dominance check. And what that means is if they have four or more blocks than any other faction on the board, then the domination is successful. And anyone uh, that is allied with that dominant faction, they will participate in scoring. And there's different ways in which you have points if you're allied to them to see who's the most allied and you get points as such. If there is no domination, then it's not about who you're allied to. It's all about do you have the most discs out on the board? So you have a player board with discs and they get put on other people's cards. They get put on the board to rule the regions. The discs on other players' cards are spies and you can assassinate their cards. So there's like you're playing on the cards as one giant circular tableau, but then you've got the board. That's what I was sort of talking about, those multi-layered bits. Um, So you're constantly battling within those factions, but then if there's not dominance, you're just battling to have the most discs out. And it's just just a brilliant game. It, It definitely takes a couple of plays to understand... Uh, I guess the board state, what's happening? How do I leverage everything that's going on to my advantage? Sometimes you will buy up the dominance card knowing you're not going to get uh, you know, top prize or many points, but just to stop someone else from scoring. In the game we played yesterday, um, I guess one of the things I like about the game is that even if you have one point or zero points going into the last scoring, you can still win this game because the last round, the scoring is doubled. So you're always in it. It doesn't suffer from the problem that other games have where you go, oh, uh, there's a runaway leader and no one can catch them and that's game over. Everyone has a shot until the very, very end. Um, It also has a mercy rule that can come up, but it doesn't always that at, at, at the end of oh, a dominance, yeah. At the end of a dominance check, if any player is four points ahead, if the leader is four points ahead of second place, basically, and the rest of the people, the game immediately ends. They win. So if even they're four points ahead, game over. So, and this is a game where if you're scoring ten points, you've done really well. So that gives you an idea of the the amount of points you're getting, which isn't many. But this is a stunning game. I I really really love it. It's uh it's probably top 10 material for me i i really enjoy it that much um i think once you understand the iconography the game's quite simple it's just playing it a few times to understand which you know levers you need to pull to leverage you know the systems going on at that time so Mm. Man, it's so good. Oh, I nice. love it. It's very popular. I saw it game mm. played at Brisbane Game Day twice. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I saw some photos of it on the weekend. Yeah, yep. Brisbane Game yep. Day, and some of those. And people- I think, I think the, I think the Mercy Rule got played out in yep. that game. Yeah. So some of those people that played at the Brisbane Game Day played with me the very next day online. That it's, yeah. it's very good. Yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I got to admit, I've known about this game for a little while since the, I think the first edition came out. And everyone says, oh, how great the components are and how beautiful a game it is and and all that. And let me tell you, it's a little bit beige for me. Are you looking Jules. at the first edition or second edition? I'm looking at the second edition now on BGG. And okay. the, the, the pieces are colourful and all that sort of stuff. Yes. But the, but the map mm-hmm. is literally a piece of cloth 
mm-hmm. with some dotted lines drawn on it. Isn't yep. it realistic though? Just like the magic from the day, like some I think, dude I think, made yeah, that. Yeah, I think it probably the fits the theme, and that's probably mm, a yeah. cool thing. Yeah, um, you so, just think but, like it looks like your nan's hanky, basically. It does <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It does a little it's bit look quite, like nan's hanky, and that's kind of turned me me off it because I'm such a shallow and soulless human. Um, <laughs> and I don't like Nan's hanky. Yeah. Well, you never know what's going to be in Nan's hanky when you unroll it. Right? That's so, right. That's it. But, Some uh, teeth. But my mate Dave's got this game and uh, we haven't played it yet because we, we've obviously still in lockdown and, yeah. and uh, he lives quite a way away so we don't get to meet up all the time. But I've, I've always wanted to give it a try. Um, but I have I have a... I have. I'll admit that the art and the style has kind of not turned me off, but hasn't pushed me over the, over the edge. On this yeah, one I mean, Cole has said you know, like it's not a game designed to be like wow, like pretty and beautiful and and capture everyone's imagination. It's it's a historical game. It's mm. set on a real um, in a real <gasps> time and place. Um, even the artwork itself, he he got from archives. Uh, in a couple of different universities. There's one in the US I can't quite remember, but a lot of them are digital scans and then just enhance for the game. So actual artwork. So I can I can totally see why the art doesn't capture people because some of it is really, really old. And mm. you know, not saying old old artwork's bad, but I'm just saying that there's definitely colonial sort of um mm. period pieces of artwork it, in there. But it fits a the theme. Absolutely. Perfectly. Yep. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking of um, Freedom, the Underground Railroad, yep. which is si- which is similar, right? It has, you mm-hmm. know, pretty much, um, you know, period artwork and stuff like that yep. to, to match the, and I think as you say, authentic photos from the time. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, yeah. I can see that that's, a, that's actually an advantage, even though it may not be all leery and colourful and whatever. Yeah, that's right. And uh, one of the details I really appreciate about appreciate about the game. So the cards themselves when they're people, they're actual people from that event and they have flavor text on there describing their role or what, you know, what influence they had at that particular time. Um and there's some pretty, you know, it doesn't hold back anything. There's some gruesome details of what how people were assassinated and um people that did bad things, but that's it's a game trying to show off what happened at that period of time in Afghanistan. So mm. um, it definitely has a, a big historical element to it, but you could absolutely play with sort of ignoring that. But I think you'll get a lot more out of it um, and realise how well Cole has done in implementing mechanics into the politics that were happening at play at that time. So mm. if you read the flavour text. Jules, I'm going to take a complete beeline here because you said something. Okay. You said historical game mm-hmm. and i learned about this game at the weekend called nuffet tuffle do you know it viking chess oh okay um no it's called nefertal yeah Nef- yeah that yes <laughs> like, i played viking chess <laughs> i heard yeah that's what i said what are you talking about i said that i was like huh? like, I, I, the guy told me this and i was like jules would love this game yeah, like that's all i, I could think about when someone told me i that. have played i've played that on an app and i ordered a special copy to come with hell the last saga i'm getting my own viking nice. chess set with that and the pieces look awesome. sorry sorry to sidetrack i would yeah. have forgotten otherwise never so, that maybe that'll sizzle out another time it's really good yeah Nuffle so tuffle that's what i said back to pax <laughs> for me the actual game yeah. that we we're talking about thanks Adrian. um have you tried it solo yet, Jules? I have not, and I'm really keen to. Um, I've heard it's quite good. Mm. Um, obviously, it, it the AI has its own rules and it makes itself a bit tougher. Mm. Um, 
but apparently it is quite good solo. So I'm keen to try that as soon as my copy arrives. Cool. Cool. That's a uh, Pax Pamia. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jules. Um, Mitch, I heard you were playing something um, pretty cool, some Hannah Montana game or something. What was Hannah- it? <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said something before? Hannah Montana. What was it? <laughs> Close. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's Girl Scout uh, chess to go along okay. with the Viking chess. Okay. You know. No, sorry. What, what have you been sizzling this week, mate? I have been sizzling. Everyone knows that I've got a little bit of a, uh, a, a, a favoritism towards Western games. And this game this this week is no exception to that. And it is not Hannah Montana, but closely related Montana. Okay, the cousin. Um, mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Almost the same. Almost the same. Um, but no Billy Ray Cyrus in this one. Um, I'm sorry, so- you know a little bit too much about Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to deny but at the same time you're just digging a diva hole for yourself i'm a father i'm a father i've watched all these programs at some point or another uh dear um and sometimes when my kids are there too so yeah. uh, <laughs> so montana so montana is about it's a game about uh your 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 you know heading west out uh, on the on the on the frontier and you're, you're setting up your um villages and um, yeah, it's it's kind of that you know open frontier slash farming slash growth type theme of a game. Um, the thing that I like most about Montana is, I think it's I, I put it as my probably my number one or very close to my number one what I call next step games. Mm-hmm. So you know once you've played the gateways and you you find that you enjoy board gaming a little bit but you don't want to jump straight into on Mars so you know what are you going to do sort of in between and that's what the sort of game I would go to next and the reason for that is it has a little bit of everything um and I guess it's kind of interesting coming up to our hybrid topic because this is a game that's not new um it's not part of this new trend of of hybrid games but as far as uh, you know, multiple mechanics and different things that are going on. Uh, this game sort of fits right in that slot. So the the board is a modular board that's randomised each time. It's a, it's a map with uh, different hexes uh, available on it, uh, and the size varies depending on the player count. You then also have a, a worker placement board where there's a whole lot of different worker placement spaces so you can put your workers, and then you have a worker rondelle. Uh, as well, which is like a shared resource. Um, the object of the game, to win, you have a series of hex tiles that each player has in their colour, which each come with little villages on it. And you have to place those villages out onto the hex tile map, uh, and the first person to get all of their villages set up on the map wins. Well, will most likely win. Um, as long as you do that before everyone else gets a chance to fill up theirs, they'll win. Um and how you do that, how you place it, though, each village out onto the map is each hex on the map, uh, on the board, has a series of resources. And you have to pay those resources in order to put your village out onto the map. But in order to get those resources, you have to have workers that will go into the different worker placement spaces to you know, either mine the, the, the iron or the copper or there's, uh, wheat resources, pumpkins, uh, and iron. Did I say iron already? I think anyway. so, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
So there's a few different types of resources. But the thing is, you don't start with a set of workers. Like like a lot of other worker placement games, you don't just start with, oh, here's your 10 workers and off you go and you can do that. And then, you know, you get them back every turn. It doesn't work like that. You have to spin on the rondelle. And the rondelle spins around and it will say, you can take a, a purple, uh, sorry, a, an orange worker and a, and a brown worker. Mm. So they're the two workers you have available. Then your orange worker can go get pumpkins and your brown worker can get copper. So, yeah, so, and you can only do sort of, there's three actions you can do on your turn spin the wheel to get workers, place workers out to get resources, or build uh, settlements. So, you kind of have to each turn go, okay, well, I don't have any workers, I've got to get workers this turn. And then your turn comes around again, and you go, okay, do I have enough workers to go start getting resources? Because if you can put the more resources you can put out, or the more workers you can put out on your turn, the more resources you get back. But is it worth spending a whole other turn getting more workers before you're going to start sending them out to start getting resources. Hmm. And then, yeah, so you've got – that's your sort of your, your, your for and against sort of thing. Uh, and then there's another mechanic in it where you can choose if you're taking the, the worker placement option on your turn, you can go to auction. And at the auction house, you can – there's four different tracks you can bid on with pumpkins – uh, and each of the different lines has a different uh, uh, advantage or upgrade. So one of them might be to get any any three resources of your choice, uh, and then the other ones are usually to upgrade certain types of resources. So if you've got, I think, the, the iron and the copper, when you when you mine them, they they come out as small. But if you go to the auction and you win the auction, you can upgrade them to big copper or large iron. And some spaces on the board where you're trying to place your Villages require big copper or big iron. So you've sort of forced to go down that auction path at some point if you want to take those squares that have uh, those resources that require you to pay those resources to pay. So, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's, not a, it's not a huge, you know, amazingly brilliant, fantastic, you know, out of the ordinary, unique game. There's a lot of sort of similar sort of things in the game that you'll see in other games. But you, there's a lot of different things, you know. So you do have the rondelle, you do have the worker placement, you do have the area control and the tile placement, and then the auction, auctioning and the bidding. So it all kind of ties in. There's all little bits and pieces going on in there, and and none of it is super hard to understand. None of the choices on your turns are really complex. Uh, it's it's simple to play. Yeah, so I just really really enjoy it. We played it last night with my. My family, uh, sorry, well, yesterday during the day for Father's Day. And, um, yeah, Brad destroyed us all, but, you know, we're hmm. kind of used to that now. Only <laughs> <laughs> Brad. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like it's, it's just a, a really great game. It's right in that pocket to say if someone wants to try some different things, they want to try a couple of different mechanics, they want to look at something, you know, that's maybe a little bit tougher than they've been playing before and give them a, a good sort of insight into a number of different different you know, styles of play or, or mechanics within board gaming. It's a really, really good game for that. So if that sort of sounds like something you might be interested in, uh, I recommend you check it out. Cool. That yeah. was Montana. Oh, and I need to mention, there's also cute little cow meeples in it. Of course there is. <laughs> of course uh, there is. <laughs> yeah. It has to be. Yeah. You can pick up little cows, and the little cows are like a wild resource. You can exchange them for money or for other resources or for, you know, things at any time. So picking up cute little cows. I mean, has has anyone ever gone wrong with cute little cows? 
<laughs> not to date has anyone gone wrong with cute little cows so exactly yeah sweet well that's montana um my sizzling game this week is a game that i've only played once and i actually got taught this at the last game day and um a lady called emily taught us this game and it was called men at work have you heard I- of men at work yeah. Like, it's so funny, Dan. We're both doing dexterity games. Yeah, it was because- a uh, movie in the late 80s, wasn't it, with uh, Charlie yeah, Sheen, Charlie know, Sheen like, and Amelia yeah. Estevez? Yeah. yeah. But it's – it's a. I just – I don't know. I've never really played a lot of dexterity games, and the ones I have, I've never really been much of a fan of, if I'm honest. Like, I've just gone, ah, it was okay. Like, I, I did the thing, and that was it. But this one actually had, like, anxiety-inducing, like – trying to put stuff on this thing and it was really fun i really enjoyed it i the meeples in this are next level cool they've got little hard hats on that are like a they got a wooden meeple but then they've got a plastic proper hard hat like glued on and uh it's basically a dexterity game where you get um like supports i think girders timbers bricks and a couple of other resources and you flip cards and they depict what you have to do might be place a girder on another orange girder or this one can't touch a certain girder and things and you basically are building up these things now anytime you knock something off the uh, construction site because it's all based around a kind of high-rise building you know steel and Hmm. construction anytime you knock something off there's been an accident and then you lose a safety certificate basically and you then have to get this special like hook thing and you kind of fish the body out like and or whatever oh. and the things out of <laughs> underneath the construction and then uh start again I, I believe the end game trigger is when either so you know one player or all players lose that certificate those certificates because you start with three or potentially when you run out of workers and I didn't really expect too much of the game of Formonis when I started to play it, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really fun. It was mm. really clever as well how the cards make you do different things and you then get to choose like where you're going to put these different parts to build it up. And whenever you place a part that's higher than any other part, you get a, I think it's like an accolade or a, a, an award, which helps you try and become basically the employee of the month. Um, yeah, I just, like, do you guys, have you played it or seen it? I haven't played it, but it's visually impressive. I've seen people play it. Yeah. I like the way, Mm. and I was wondering if you could explain why sometimes you're placing the girders on other girders. Sometimes you're actually placing them on the shoulders of the, the meeples. Yeah. So I had to do that. What the card instructs you to do. Yeah. So at one point there was, um, that I had to place one of those girders on or a steel, mm. I think it might be called a steel onto a meeple. Now that's difficult, but you can, as long as it's touching the meeple, not on the helmet, you can't put on the helmet. That's not allowed. You have to put on the, on the right. shoulder. Yeah, that's a, a work safe thing. Exactly. It's got nuts. It's, it's gone crazy. You should be able to balance on your helmet, but like it's, it's a strange thing because like, yeah, you can still put it on a girder as long as it's resting on the shoulder as well. But there was two meeples, one on the right, one on the left shoulder, who's perfectly lined up. 
and I could just slide the steel in and place it. And it, they, they actually supported the weight of the steel yeah. together. And I was like, this is so cool. And yeah, sometimes, um, you have to, you know, you can only touch one color. So you might have a purple girder or steel and it can only touch a white or something. So there's a lot of strange balancing because everything's kind of all woven together and intertwined into each other. Yeah, I was going to say, like it doesn't really mess. look like you're actually constructing a building. At least I hope not because it's <laughs> no, pretty, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> pretty out there. <laughs> no, it's definitely out there. But yeah, it's really fun. And some of them are as well are like, um, you have to place the meeple with the brick at the same time oh my god so you have to kind of put the brick on the meeple's shoulder and you can only use one hand so you have to like use your finger and thumb to sort of lock it in against his neck then you have to place that on and if that brick rolls off that's an incident that was an accident and (laughs) you then have to you know use a safety certificate and another really clever thing as well that i didn't notice at all at first glance but uh, there is a bit of strategy in it one of the meeple's legs is sort of slidden to one side and the other one's more of a bent shape. So they have a better balance going at ah. a certain angle. So on certain levels, when there's a certain angle going one way, if you place him on a certain, you know, facing Incline. the correct way, yep. yeah, you can give yourself a bit of a, a benefit that way. Like ah. it's, is yeah, it, it was really cool. Is there any removal as part of the game as well? No. It, it feels well, like the kind they, of game where you could build it and build it and build it, and then there's like a second game where you have to try and like remove things as well. Take it apart. Like, yeah. You know, the whole thing tumbling Didn't down. get that far. Not even Didn't when you're fish hooking the bodies out from under the collapsed <laughs> rubble. Yeah. One, one guy fell and got wedged between two girders, and that was it. He was there for the whole game. <laughs> so we couldn't rescue him. There was no way. But we actually managed to like do – really well and, and get loads of pieces onto it it looked really impressive it was really fun yeah it was just something that i just you know didn't never had heard of never really into dexterity games it just blew me away how much fun it was and nice how much i just wanted to play it again and uh potentially try and get hold of the copy at some point so mm. yeah men at work honestly check it out I, I think it was a kickstarter so i don't think it's like easily accessible i haven't seen it anywhere but I think you might be able to get it directly from Plan B Games. It looks like there's a couple in stock. There you go. Uh, Amazon, a couple of other stores, Games Empire in Castle Hill has it. It is is worth checking out for sure, especially if you've got younger children or a family or you just want to play it, you know, as a pre-game before, you you know, your game night or whatever. But, Mm. yeah, had great fun with it. Definitely rate it. It's Mm. It's my absolute favorite dexterity game of all time but my knowledge of dexterity games is very limited <laughs> so i don't have like the highest bar i'm not like a dexterity nut so mm. but for me like this was fantastic i loved the theme i loved yeah i loved the whole thing so nice yeah, yeah, I'm check it out maybe my favorite meeple of all time as well the builder meeple like he's, he's definitely up there yeah so mm. cool well, with that, that's all the sizzles for this pod, and I think we shall briskly move on to the topic. And the topic this week is hybrid board games, and it's a strange thing to say hybrid board games because I think that terminology has come around recently more than before but there's many games that share different mechanics but they just seem to be more prevalent now there seems to be like an influx of them and different mechanics mixing together and it's a strange one of where like well 
is it more deck builder or is it more worker placement? So what do you class it as like, and, and that sort of bridging gap. So I'll let Jules start and sort of take on some of the topic and conversation. Yeah. So so as uh, when I was thinking about this before we started recording, um, I think I was thinking back to games I played in my childhood and even, you know, through to the present day. And I think Games with hybrids of mechanics have been around for quite some time, but I feel like people are marketing their games more by saying, oh, it's got deck building, it's got area control, it's got this. And I think that's more a sign of the hobby expanding and maturing, that Mm. people understand what these mechanics are and what they can expect from the game when they hear deck building, area control, rondelles, all those sorts of things. Um, Mm. It's nothing I, I... I never came across that, you know, decades ago when I was playing board games. You kind of just look at the box and you go, oh, it must be about this. I don't know how it plays. Yeah. No I, one ever said, like, Risk is a dice chucker with area, area control. control. No, area exactly. Yeah. It was never marketed that way. But people seem to be doing that now. And I, in my initial thoughts are it's because the hobby's growing and maturing and people know what those terminal those terms mean, basically. Hmm. Yeah, mm. that's a good point. And designers are either going to go one of two ways, aren't they? They're either going to try and add new, uh, combine new mechanics, or sorry, combine mechanics in new ways, or take a mechanic and pare it right down to its purest form. And there's mm. some designers that do that incredibly well. But anyone who's, if, if you're not going to go that way and you're going to design a deck build, you're going to go, well, what other mechanism can I add to make this different to all the other ones on the market? It's going to be, me- it's going mm, to be yeah. a deck builder yeah. with. Resource management. It's going to be a deck builder with, um, and and you and and those those sort of those game mechanics or game mechanisms. Uh, they, they've got to go for the touchstones that people are familiar with. Yeah. To try and okay, you like deck building. This has deck building in it. So that's mm-hmm. going to, people are going to try and gravitate towards their their design mm-hmm. of their game. Yeah, I was going to say a similar thing. I think it's you know part of what Jules said, but also paired with you know the uh, the I guess with the the growth of the hobby, you've got designers that are trying to find that unique game that mm. that you know that they don't want to just do another game that was oh that's just like wingspan or it's just like dominion or it's just like pandemic yeah so in trying to find that you know that game that's going to be the new unicorn that no one's ever seen before that that hasn't been done that gives everybody you know some sort of uh, new feeling to the game they're like well let's chuck some more mechanics in there mm. and i think some have done it better than others yeah. You know, some, some it's done seamless, and you want it, well, what I would look for anyway. If I was playing a game that had multiple mechanics, is where you can play the game and not even notice the mechanics. Mm. I, I think, I think if you can, if you can play a game and enjoy the game for what it is, and then have to think back to go, okay, well, what were the mechanics in that game? And you know, you have to make an effort to think about it because it wasn't so prevalent when you were playing. That game's done a good job. Because you've been immersed in the game, you're not, you know, just concentrating on what the ins and outs of the game design were. Hmm. Um, whereas other games that have tried it, sometimes it feels like it's crowbarred in there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just to force, you know, just to force extra mechanics and different sort of layers of game in, and you think it's really unnecessary, and it kind of, and and then it becomes really obvious that it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, which is the opposite of being seamless. It just, it's like it sticks out clunky. of a sore thumb. Yeah, clunky. And you think, oh, that's really obtuse now. And because it feels like it's just been, you know, shoehorned into the box. Um, 
so yeah, I think there's, you know, obviously, like everything, there's going to be ways it's done well and ways that they're not. But um, yeah, that's uh, I guess some of my insights into what I feel about it. Cool. Well, what do, do we think this is? Do we think this is like I, I spoke about this before, and we sort of spoken about the innate that this is like the renaissance of gaming like the we've had say viticulture and all these other games it's all worker placement and it's very much like heavily themed to that one mechanic or that what those mm. those things do we think that this is a sign of the times do we think we're going to see more of these blended mechanics as designers try to find the next big new popular thing for example we see a lot at the moment of worker placement deck builder, worker placement deck builder, worker mm-hmm. placement deck builder, which mm. is working definitely with some of those games f- for me and then some not. But that might be the game more than the mechanics. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it's a funny one. Like mm. I think that definitely some of them do it better than others is what I'm trying to get to. So what do we think about that? Do we think that this is what we're going to see more of going forward? Are we going to see, you know, um, uh, dice drafting deck builders and things like, and they're trying to try to find the next thing that works well together. Mm. Yeah, I'd like I- to see designers thinking a little bit more outside the square. I mean, I like the the thing that sort of really floats my boat in terms of uh, you know um, individuality in games is when I see something I haven't seen before, and taking two things that I have seen before and putting them together doesn't equal something I haven't seen before. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it equals two things I have seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so even though they might be good, in terms of trying to find that next exciting new thing, it still needs to be something new. It can't yeah. be two old things put together. There's, uh, I'm sure we'll t- mention a couple of games, but the one that comes to mind when Mitch brought that point up uh, for me was in the Hall of the Mountain King. It's polyomino placement and tableau building. But the way your tableau builds is you're actually building a pyramid. It's not just you have a, a range of cards in front of you and abilities on them, but you actually structure a pyramid. And when you put a new dude down, all the resources on those cards cascade down, which I'd never seen anywhere else. But mm. it was it's, it's essentially tableau building. But you only get to, you know, every time you put a card in, you trigger all the resources underneath that new card, yeah. um, which it's was totally new. twist on something that already exists yeah. is what you want. Hey? Mm. Yeah, and it was just like brilliant. A- but you know, tableau yeah. building is nothing new. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's the influx of all the roll and rights and flip and rights. The the, the the games that 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 have been designed as a roll and right, flip and right, fantastic. But but you now there's King Domino as a roll as a roll and right. There's all these yeah. other games that they're just the dice like, game. They're taking their <laughs> game and making it a roll and right. It's like, well, I've already got roll. I've already got good roll and rights that were designed as roll and rights. I don't need. To, I don't. I'm not interested in playing your game just because you've turned it into something that's the, the, the latest and, you know, the, the flavour of, of the year sort of thing. There's just too many roll and suggesting? Are you suggesting that we can have too many roll and rights? Roll and rights are like T-shirts, Dan. <laughs> you can never use too many. Okay. I feel hypocritical because one of my favourites is obviously Fleet the Dice Game, which started off as a Fleet the Card Game. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> we, know, we know after speaking to Ben that they are really not the same. No. Like it's yeah. not like one's just a port of the other. It's essentially They're different games. two different games. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we spoke but to I, Matt about that. By the way, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, it was Matt, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not right. Been. It's right. You're wrong right. way around. There's two of them. <laughs> How am I supposed to get? How am you I supposed are to careful. know? Friend of the show, Matt Riddle. <laughs> yeah, friend of the show, Ben Riddle. <laughs> yeah, just Ben Riddle. That covers them both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
but yeah, it's it's a real funny one because like Jules said it before, like Barrage is like it's a worker placement, but that wheel is what makes that game for me. Yeah. That, complicated like resource management thing where i can't just go oh well i've got these resources i'm going to spend them and buy more or whatever i know i've already got them and then having in the wheel locks it in so it makes something that could be stale and just a worker placement game that's bland into something else Mm -hmm. so in in saying that like what games do we think that that do do it really well where they blend very specific mechanics together. I know Jules has said in Hall of the Mountain King, mm-hmm. obviously feel like the barrage does that with that resource management with the wheel. Like mm. are there any ones that stick out for anybody else? There's one that I can think of. That's probably, uh, it's, it's, I know it's not out yet. It hasn't even made, made Kickstarter yet, but, um, it's in the forefront of my mind because we played it okay. on on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're talking about a game that we're not allowed to talk about. Thanks for that. That's really helpful. <laughs> I'm sure we are allowed to talk about it, aren't we? It's been announced. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. I think it's out there. Okay. Well, well we okay. can redact this if we have to. <laughs> That's true. Or okay. Mitch is the one getting sued, not us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I'll, I'll just say Game X is pretty good. The way it does yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Agree. And uh, if you want to find out what GameX is, then join our Discord and uh, yeah. <laughs> reach out to me. And by then, I'll find out if we're actually allowed to talk about it or not. I'm pretty sure it's been announced. Yeah. Yeah, it has been. We're just not allowed to support, talk about specific things. But anyway, <laughs> I agree. Like, that also does it very well. Like, And that's a funny thing because it's uh, it's an interesting thing because during a playtest for something, that kind of came up as like, do, do we believe it was done well? And, and I really think that. And I've definitely played others that I didn't feel that for. And that makes it really interesting because I think that designers are trying to find those mechanics and, and mash them together in a way that does seem fresh and new and doesn't feel stale and old. So, yeah, I just it's – a, it's a real strange one because I think the most popular ones to get blended are that worker placement and – um, deck building, uh, deck builder, yeah. But I, I, I will that change anytime soon? Because I, I see that we're we're getting a lot of them. Yeah, do you think there will be another thing that will be the next big thing? Is what I'm kind of getting at. Or do you think we're going to see this for 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 the foreseeable future or forever? You know. Yeah, I, I think there will be some changes in the season. Um, you know, partly because designers won't want to seem like oh it's another one of those games because they everyone wants their game to stand out and feel different and fun and unique yeah. so uh, there will be ebbs and flows and we've seen it not necessarily in mechanics but in themes as well like for a while there was loads of viking games and then there were loads of pirate games and now zombies like, mm. zombies yeah exactly like we've seen mm. waves of themes at the same time as well so um, do I know what the next big blending of mechanics will be? No, I don't have really have a clue at all. Um, but you know, I, yeah. I, I expect to see new things. Yeah, but it is. But like you said, it is the evolution as well. Like someone will create something that's completely unique, and it might get a lot of sort of accolades and things. And then all it takes is for someone to go, well, "What if I take that and I add drafting to it?" What yeah. if I take that, and like like Micro Macro, we were talking before the show um, about how unique that is. How long before someone takes a Micro Macro style game and adds hidden movement or yeah. work and placement? Adds, yeah, or some, something. Some, something to it like that. I mean, mm. I don't know how, and if it 
I'm, I'm trying to think how I can copyright that micro macro with hidden movement. But, Actually, you, you um, sort of reminded me there is a game that's just come out to Kickstarter that sort of might be that. It's Mind Management or Mind MGMT. Um, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So you have you have like a board that has um, different uh, items and you know locations like there might be umbrellas or billboards or um whatnot and the hidden movement i think one put the cop the uh, the people that are trying to catch the the person that works for the mine management they ask have you been at a location with this and if they have they put a little marker down so it has those elements you're looking on the board at and the hidden movement which Mm. looks pretty cool but yeah yeah sounds like uh guess who won steroids (laughs) (laughs) it sort of takes it takes a, a small sort of movement and then uh, and then you know give it 12 to 18 months or whatever the sort of yeah. the, the game design cycle is and then suddenly the, there's heaps of games on the market because everyone's going mm. oh that's great how can i use mm. that and I, how can i add area control how can i add resource management to it yeah. and make it unique make it a, a spin on yeah yeah one thing i would like to say on the topic though as well is I've heard, I've heard, you know, different people and read different comments and things about certain games and people saying, oh, you know, this is a deck builder, especially a deck builder, but it was not really a deck builder and that's disappointing and blah, 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 and this and that, right? If, I, if, if, if my opinion is worth anything, which is probably not, but <laughs> Adrian's shaking <laughs> We're all shaking head our heads. <laughs> furiously. <laughs> Don't get hung up on what the mechanics of the game are. Okay. Yeah. It's a game. Enjoy the game, yeah. you know. Play the game because you want to play the game and have a good time. Don't if if you're if you're going oh you know I'm looking for this particular mechanic and I want this mechanic to do a certain thing and if this mechanic doesn't do that certain thing that I want mm. it to do then I'm not yeah. going to enjoy it. You're way overthinking it, mate. Just play the game and have fun and see if you enjoy it. And if you want to sit and do some analysis after the game, then fine. Yeah, but don't go into it trying to overthink it and you know bury yourself in mechanics and mechanisms and this yeah. and that. Just ha- it's a game. Yeah, I agree. And and I think there's it also goes the other side. Um, if you go to BGG and look up any game, it has all the mechanics or it has categories for mechanics um, that games have. And some of them include a mechanic. And it's just like you do it once in the game. Yes, it technically yeah. is in there. But yeah. it's like, does it even need mentioning? Like, Yeah. 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 Do, do designers really need to go, oh, mine has deck building where it's like, well, you might buy three cards in the whole game. Yeah, technically, you're building, adding things to a deck of cards, but you're not really building it like some other games are. It, it's it's mm. a fine line, but um, mm. and yeah, some of you don't really get, go, don't get is hung that up, really hung a game mechanic. It. Yeah, yeah, I've done exactly that right. Times, yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you think um, when you put things on there like deck builder worker placement? Do you think it's a case of like the people who like the worker placement element? I'm really excited about that bit. And if there's not enough of that bit in and it's more deck builder, then mm. they're like, well, oh, there's not enough worker placement in it. Mm. And the deck builder people who like deck builders <laughs> are like, there's far <laughs> too much worker placement in it. I want more deck building. It's a, it, do you know what I mean? You can't win. It's a yeah, real it's like hard can't thing to manage. everyone all the time. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I think that that's a hard balance for uh, designers to to strike and to get right. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely interesting for sure. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but I, I I get that they're using mechanics as a way to market their games now to give people that idea of what to expect when they play the game. 
Um, mm. And yes, perhaps they are leveraging off you know some fan favorites in terms of how certain games play or the core of um, games in the past, like Dominion being um, a deck builder that many, many people love. Um, and they want that same feel out of every other game that has deck building in it, but it's just not going to be. Um, yeah. It's just taking the concept of it and making changes, whether that's diluting it or making it um, on steroids. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's you, funny. You say, sorry. No, sorry you, go. you go. You, you, okay. you say that though, like, is that just because our knowledge of games has grown, mm-hmm. but people outside the hobby, they, they wouldn't know. No, I wouldn't even pay attention to what the mechanics were involved in a game normally. I mean, it's not they printed on the box or anything. No. You know, so the only people who are really going to find that out. So they are definitely focusing on on the hobby that exists for the the majority Mm. of their marketing campaign. So, Mm. yeah. Sorry, Mitch, you were going to just say? I was just going to say what Jules said then about sort of that expectation people have going into a game if they're looking for a certain thing, but then they want it to be different you know, and how hard it is to match. It just made me think back to my days of being in the music industry when, you know, you'd have a big hit album would come out, you know, and everyone would go nuts for it and love it. And then that band would release their second album. And we used to have so many people would come in and say, you know, you say, what do you think about, you know, so-and-so's new album? Yeah, I didn't really like it. Oh, why not? Oh, it's just exactly the same as the first album. (laughs) Yeah, but did you like the first album? Yeah. Well, yeah, that was brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> didn't mm. like this and you know and and conversely to that you'd have people that would be like no it was way different it was so different to their you know other stuff yeah but they've gone in a totally different direction it's terrible it's like well you know it's a really hard line to hit especially when you're coming up with um you know you're a second time out or something you know you're trying to you know m- meet the fans that that have expectations about what your work's going to be like but at the same time, if it's exactly the same and you haven't added anything to it, people are just going to write it off as stale and, and the same. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's a really difficult thing to do in terms of meeting those expectations of, of people. Yeah. Well, well, on that note, I think the game that we played the other day, that's the designer's third album and it's probably third his album. best so far. So that's fine, right? Like- well, I've never listened to the first two albums. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. So, <laughs> there you go. So- well, I, I loved the third album regardless of not listening to the first two. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed the third album as well. <laughs> I definitely um, would get the third album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just hopefully okay. his first album wasn't like Snow Informer. Yeah, exactly. That's it. it. Yeah. Clearly it wasn't because he's had a second and a third. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, that's really it. And, like, I'd like to sort of pose the question to the community, like what they see potentially getting blended together in the future, what mechanics work really well at the moment that they like to see, you know, um, mixed together, others. the deck, yeah, yeah, combined with others, and what helps the – what they think maybe the integration of the mechanics, what helps the integration of those mechanics, yeah. you know, less is more or just go all out deck builder with a little bit of worker placement, like whatever you guys think. So it'd be just interesting to see your points of view on that. Mm. And with that topic after that, we will now move on to the bracket battle. <laughs> This week we will are ending a bracket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was 
Architects of the West Kingdom versus It's a Wonderful World. And I can tell you that we had 399 votes total. That's awesome. Dang. It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty big. And one game won over all of the socials and, and different voting uh, places that we have. Yeah, platforms. right. That's the word. Mm. Um, any guesses funny, as to which there one? There was a time when one of those games was this podcast, Darling, particularly yours in particular, yeah. Adrian. And then mm. I think the tide sort of changed and everyone was – Everyone, all everyone was talking about was was architects. So, yeah, um, I think architects got it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think they did. But I still think it's a wonderful world hasn't had quite the same reach. The game's been around for a few years. Like the Kickstarter was quite a few years ago, the original one, um, mm. but it still mm. hasn't had that same reach. Um, mm. it, but it was yeah, your favorite game for the longest time, wasn't it, eighty? Yeah, I mean, I love it still. I, I like it with the expansion. Still mm. play it. It's still good. Um, yeah, it's still a great game. And yeah, it's just. I think it's it's done really well for a for a game that was, you know, a Kickstarter, and it's like a hundred and thirty on BGG. So it's not. Yeah, like, wow. It's quite up there. Yep. It's and pretty, it's still it's a very simple game. Like, yeah. yeah. Quick setup, quick to play. Yeah. Good, good mechanics. Yeah, you know. I really enjoy it. And architects is the same though, like great mechanics, mm-hmm. very simple. Yep. Once you start to to get it, you know, rolling, and once you know what you're doing, and yeah. Anyway, on that note, I can let you know that architects of the West Kingdom won, and the split wasn't wasn't a thrashing, but it was it was it was not terrible. It's um, two hundred and thirty six to one hundred and sixty three. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it's definitely a clear winner, but yeah. it wasn't like it was, you know. I was expecting smashed. it to be closer, but there you go. Yeah, I was a little bit so. But the next bracket battle will be on Mars versus Letters from Whitechapel. <laughs> oh. And in brackets, Adrian could fight for on Mars, I guess. So that's uh, that's my show notes there. <laughs> um, but yeah. I've played both these games, so this is nice because I actually played both of these, so it's kind of fun. So um, I'm happy. Mitch, which way would you go? Like, Have you played what it is? I have not played either of these games. Oh, okay. I've played on Mars, but I have not played Letters from Whitechapel, and I really want to. And then Dan's played Letters from Whitechapel. Have you played on Mars, Dan? Letters was my submission for the the, the bracket. Um, No, I haven't played on Mars. I was going to uh, Sarah was going to teach me. He just said, "But first, go and go and watch Paul Grogan's um, three-hour how to play <laughs> sort of thing." <laughs> and that sort of went, went oh, okay. So it's not, it's not going to be an easy game to teach. How's it going to be to actually learn? Um, haven't got around to it yet. Would you like to go first or second for your? I'll, I'll go first only case. because I, I'm not going to be sort of casting any shade on on on, on Mars. I mean. I've I've never played it, but I, the the Vital games that I have played, I, I absolutely adore. So, um, but Letters from Whitechapel for me, growing up with Scotland Yard, Letters from Whitechapel is Scotland Yard on steroids. But it is the most, it is the most sort of cat and mouse feel game that I've ever played, um, and um, it's. It's just a, such a great hidden movement. It's probably one of the, the, the perennial sort of hidden movement games out there. I mean, it was it's 2011 this game came mm. out, and it's still 
it, um, it's still popular. It's still a lot of fun. We actually yeah. only just played it just just a couple it, of nights ago, Jen and I, yeah. um, and it was it came down to the very we had, we had an absolute blast, and it lasted two two and a bit hours, just the two of us. I mm. played all five police. She played Jack Jack the Ripper, and um, it came down to the ver- what what ended up being the very last move of the game that I actually caught her because she was one step away from reaching her hideout and ending the mm. game, and I didn't realize. I knew she, mm. I knew ballpark where she was, but. Mm. Like I know, there's a lot of people that prefer um, Fury of Dracula, um, but Fury of Dracula came out after. After is that more the theme, Dan? Is the people turned away no, by the theme a little bit? It's, it's taken it. What it does is it takes letters from Whitechapel and adds. I think it adds some resource management to it as well, so it feels like there's more to do in the game, whereas. Letters from Whitechapel is it's just pure hidden movement. Where mm. did she go? How the and the, the great thing that it introduces that for those that have only played sort of the Scotland Scotland Yard style game is you have the ability to guess um, where Jack the Ripper has been, and Jack the Ripper has to tell you where they've been. So you get to place almost little little breadcrumbs around, and you're not just chasing in Scotland Yard, you're not just chasing Mr. X around the board until you catch them. Jack the Ripper commits a murder and then has to get back to their hideout. And once the once they reach their hideout, the 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 slate is sort of the board is wiped clean of all your breadcrumbs and they commit another murder. Mm. So you may have learnt a little bit sort of roughly in the city, in the streets of London where their hideout is and you're trying to stop Mr. Jack the Ripper from getting back to um, where yeah. you think the hideout is. But it's just, it's so great with the hidden movement. And it, even without adding the letters, which is an element to the game that you can add and um, the roles for the police, if you just if you keep them out and just keep it as a cat and mouse hidden movement style game, it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, Dan, does it suffer from one thing that I think some hidden movement games do tend to suffer from, and that is that being the one mm. versus the many is super cool and exciting and thrilling and suspenseful and your heart rate's going 100 miles an hour the whole time. Mm-hmm. But being the many versus the one is like a slow, painful death of torture and annoyance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You're not I, scarred at all. <laughs> when, I, when I play when I play, It's just funny because that's what Jack the Ripper did. I played the many. <laughs> I played the many and I love it. Yeah. I love the puzzle. Yeah. I love the, all right, I know she's here somewhere. I'm going to move this piece here, this piece here. And I'm going, I'm, I'm trying to like create a net mm. around where yeah. I think. And there was a couple of times where Jen actually got back to the hideout and I didn't, I didn't pick up a single breadcrumb as to where she was and how she got there. And I'm just like, I have mm. no idea where you are or how you just did that. And mm. I have to sort of re in my yeah. thinking when you start playing with more players. So then you might play one Jack the Ripper and plus five cops then it becomes more interactive. Um, mm. Played it on the retreat and Sarah and I were trying to catch MJ and mm. I, and we were sort of, we didn't play, we didn't assign roles per se, but we were working together to, okay, I think we should, and it was a real sort of um, just, just workshopping ideas about, okay, I think we should maybe move over there. No, 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 okay, how about we, and we worked really well together as, as, as a team. Um, mm. I can see how if you were to play, Five on one, then there might be some arguments or some alpha gaming and things like that. But that's probably or more just to do a with bit of chaos as well. Yeah, I'm that's probably more to do with the group mm. than I think the game itself. Because I mean, that yeah, can happen I, with any co-op game. I just played it recently, actually, only maybe a week or two ago with uh, MJ, and it was the first time that I was the five versus the one. Mm. And in the first round, I got a step on where she was. And I was really close to her straight away. And I was like, oh, wow, like, I'm going to catch her. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. It's going to be awesome. 
And you know what? I couldn't find a clue for the preceding five rounds <laughs> yeah. after that. And I, I have to admit, I feel like Mitch. Like I was a bit over it. I was like, oh no, like yeah. where are I can't you? Can't find her anymore. And you know yeah. what? Yeah, it's and just, you know what's just the, gone. The most fun of the game is, regardless of whether you win or lose, it's the debrief afterwards. Yeah, where they yeah. open up their, their, yeah. their train here, and went here. Oh, you so this one, I was right behind yeah. you, and you didn't know. Or yeah. I, I ended up Clever. using the lantern to sneak through because you'd cut me off, and I actually worked out a way to get around you. And and yeah, yeah or I go, okay, right, where were you? Because I know you were here, and I can't wait. No, no, I wasn't over there. I was over there, and you're like, what? How did you get mm. over there? It's just so great. Yeah, so the theme's definitely not for the faint of heart as well. Like it, and especially the rule book and stuff. Like it's quite detailed mm. in what happened and stuff. So it's definitely if that's not your thing and you don't want to, you know, because it's essentially you're playing a game. So there's a bit of laughter and stuff in that, and some people just don't like that and doesn't gel with them, and well, that's completely it, fine. It's based but, on real events, even to the point where on yeah. the third night, on the third round, Jack the Ripper has to kill two women. Because that's actually what happened in real life. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. They've really, they've really sort of ramped up the theme to actually make it mm. resemble real events. So yeah, it can be mm. a bit on the nose for some people. Yeah. Um, well, that's letters for Whitechapel, but for the on Mars, I mean, I, I've played on Mars loads, and I just think it's so clever. Like, how does it work? How does that all work? It works. All that stuff seems to work. Like it's crazy to think all that interconnected stuff plays so fluidly and so well. Um, it's a phenomenal game. It's a you know colonizing Mars is a is a really cool theme, and and the way it's done with the different building types where you're trying to generate water and you're trying to you know make oxygen and plants and batteries and mining the planet's resources and stuff. Um, it's just phenomenally clever. Like, and it's another game that's, you know, despite what you said before, it's, it's the teach might be a bit daunting, but once you've played it through, just like Kanban, Dan, like once you played yeah, that through, Kanban. it was smooth as silk. Like it's a smooth game. And on Mars does the same thing. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> both fantastic games in their own right, both completely different. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I, would, both, I don't both, know. I haven't. Both probably what you could say is almost like best in breed. Like I say, I that, was going to just say, say that. that. That's what I was trying I to say. Yeah. My chapel is the best of its type in terms of sort of cat and mouse hidden movement. And on Mars is probably mm. the, probably the same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so why it's ranked higher. You just, you've just got to go out there and vote using the emojis and using the discord channel and also the Facebook story, and Instagram stories. And yeah, let's let the next one get through to the next round. So cool. And with that, Oh, and sponsored by table toppers. I almost forgot to say it. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, bracket battle, this entire bracket battle is brought to you by uh, table toppers. I think their late pledge game might toppers. be closed, but I'm sh- <laughs> game toppers. Thanks Jules. <laughs> um yeah and yeah i mean they've got amazing play mats amazing accessories for all your table needs and just go to their website and and check that out and with that we will move on to the oaths the oaths this pod are sponsored by advent games advent games down in sydney dean is a legend i'm gonna say it again if he comes on the podcast, we're out of a job. <laughs> He's got an epic voice. <laughs> He's so cool. 
Uh, and he's a lovely dude. So yeah. Hey Dean, how you doing? Hopefully <laughs> I'll see you soon. Um, but yeah, the O's I'll quickly go first actually, because I lost my game. Do you remember I lost that? Yes. Century game? Mm. So I lost century, a new world. I was going to play it with Finn and then I'd swapped it to play architects because I had architects. And as I was moving some bits around it and looking for stuff, I found Century, A New World. And I've <laughs> played this game with you, Mitch, a we long have, time ago. Yeah. We have played it uh, at my house, at my old house. And you know what? I just was like, look, I really like this game. I actually think it's a really great worker placement game. So I pl- I trumped it and I went back to Century, A New World, and we played that. And man, it's a great game. And Finn loved it. It was um a tight game as well. Once he got into it, he got 29 VP. I got 32, but I will talk about it probably in a future one day, but it's just a really good entry level worker placement game with no, with no reading. There's no written words apart from a couple of numbers on the cards. It's just placing a worker at the location. There's an icon that tells you what you've got to do. You do the action. Then once you've used all your workers, you rest and you can also bump the workers out of locations by placing one more of your own worker in the same spot. And I've never done it. I've never spoken to anybody that's done it, but you can mix all the three games together. Yeah, so you, you can, can mix with your head. A New World, uh, you can mix... Spice Road. Is it Spice Road? And I don't know what the other one was, but you can mix them together and play this massive game. And like, mm-hmm. I would Eastern love wonders. to see that Eastern one Eastern Wonders? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Was it the Golem yeah. edition you're playing, Adrian, or just the the regular? No, I was playing a New World, yeah. a new, which oh, is okay. kind of set in um, sort of for the pelt industry in the in America. Like mm. it's kind of what it's uh, mm. based around. But yeah, it's it's really good, great, great little game. Loved it. But on that as well, so one success but still a fail is Detectives of Modern Crime. Like, I still have not managed to get that to the table. We've been ridiculously busy with work, game days. It's definitely going to happen. I'm going to try and make it the next time. But, of course, I have to double down because if I don't double down, then that's just a big fail. Mm-hmm. We'll never speak to you again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Hmm. And we got some new games, actually, one being Vinyos. The other being Sulkin and My Little Scythe or My First Scythe. It's Finn's birthday coming up and mm. we purchased that. So I will let you, you guys to, decide. You have, you have to say vin, Vigno, otherwise Damo will have a heart attack. Vigno. <laughs> Vigno. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'll let you guys decide. What do you What do you think that we should play next? Vigno. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd say that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, Vigno. I haven't played yeah, any okay, of them, cool. so yeah. Ah, okay. Well, I just uh, Tolkien is done by uh, Simone Luciani and yeah. Barrage and all that, so I was I really definitely mm. want to play that at some point. So mm. yeah, we will. I swear to play Vinyos or Vigno since uh, the next time uh, before the next time I'm on the pod. So cool. And Mitch, yeah, sure. So my oath. oath was to well, I've got another one that is carryover um, to play Too Many Bones with Luke M three sixteen and Harry uh, on Discord, but um, 
we haven't done that yet, that, though that is scheduled. I think we're just waiting to hear back from Luke to see if he's available this Wednesday night. So mm-hmm. assuming he is, that'll be done. So that's still in train. Nice. Uh, the other one I had was to play Cartographer's Heroes, which is the new Cartographer's uh, expansion, standalone expansion Ooh, that's nice. just released. And I have done that. I ticked that box. Uh, Which and reckon? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it's their second album. That's kind of like the first album. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you so you have to say you like it because you like the first one. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, if you're listening to this and you're like and you're expecting some you know amazingly changed you know new uh, mind exploding experience. You're Did not going to add deck building. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> didn't add deck building. Oh, well, but um, but in terms of being, you know, more of the same and a little bit more, then yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, it's it's super cool. They've added uh, some new monsters, some different shapes in as well. Um, they've also added these heroes. So similar to when you play a monster and you have to draw that shape on the board, what the hero does is it lets you. Uh, destroy a certain number of, of, of spaces. So you can, if you've got a, a monster on the board that you're losing points for, you can put your hero near it and then eliminate some of those monster cells so that you're not necessarily then, then losing points from then on. Um, do, you so rub them, cool. do you rub them out? How does it work? No, you just put a cross through the square. So oh, they, that becomes, yeah, it becomes like a, um, so, you know, you play the reverse side of the map yeah, with where there's the got the center of the chasm or whatever, the, the mm. cells that are – so it counts as a filled square, but it doesn't count as a type of terrain. Cool. Yeah. So, it just essentially, it just becomes like a chasm space or a, or a destroyed space. Okay. Um, so, when, is, you know the one you know the one where you have to try and make the biggest sway you can from the top left yeah. corner? Does that count as, as one of those filled-in squares? Yeah. Any, anything, yeah, wow. Yeah, nice. yeah, it would count, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, so it's pretty cool. So, um, and then there's a bunch of different little, little maps. So, I think there's three sort of expansion maps slash mini games. Um, the one that I played was, uh, I can't remember the name, Afril or something like that, where you travel to another plane. Uh, and I think this is <laughs> interesting from a same perspective. You travel through some random portal that appears to another dimension where in this dimension it's all islands. And what do you do? Well, you're a cartographer. You're going to build maps out of it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you wouldn't freak out. You've just gone through a portal to another dimension. <laughs> oh, I've got to map this. Let me get my pen. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so but that was kind of cool because the map on that one, is a whole series of interconnected islands. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, you don't actually, you can't, you know, cross shapes across islands. And the other twist on that one, which is kind of cool, is that um, you start with two islands that are interconnected. Each each island has a connector between it that you have to fill in. It's like a space. But to fill that space in, you have to spell, spend a coin. So if you start with two, if you want to then connect the other four or five islands you have to keep spending a, a coin to open up those islands that you can you can't put any shapes mm, in those mm. other islands until you've unlocked them with the interconnectors so that's oh. kind of cool yeah just so as i say more of the same but it adds a little a couple of little extra twists i wouldn't say they are really you know mind-blowing or revolutionary but they do just add a little bit to it so it's yeah it's cool yeah, bit of variety so yeah yeah so tick 
we can say I've done that one. Uh, and what will I do for my next oath? Uh, I'm about to receive, I believe, I just received a notification to say that it's on its way, uh, a little game called Mr. Cabbage Head's Garden. <laughs> oh, I'm so keen to hear about this. Yeah? Mm. I've never heard about this. I have the PNP yeah, right. for it. Have you? I haven't played it. Oh, okay, right. I printed it off and never, never played it. So I, I, remember I passed up on this one when it was the first edition was on Kickstarter. Um, it was one I kind of looked at and went, oh, no, I'll, I'll give it a miss. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, Vi- Viola, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you are familiar with Viola who posts on our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to her one day and she was remarking about how fantastic it was and it was one of her favorite games and she really, really loved it. Um, given I respect her opinion in gaming, I thought, well, now that the second edition's out, I've got to jump on that on Kickstarter. So I did. And um, yeah, it's due to be, delivered, to be delivered soon. So I, Mitch Ketty, swear that by the next time I'm on the podcast, I will have played Mr. Cabbagehead's Garden. Nice. I'm keen to hear about that. Yeah, same. Looking forward to hearing about that. All right. So me nice. next. Um, yeah, go for it, Jules. All right. So uh, my ongoing oaths, um, I won't talk about the one that I can't do because of situations, uh, but the one I have been mm-hmm. able to do. Um, is to have another crack at planet number six for Unsettled. And I did that. And, man, I got my butt kicked, like, hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this planet is, I, I talked about it last time, it's a giant alien head and I'm stuck on this first mission. I've had a couple of cracks at it and it's h- the hardest one. Um, yeah. I, I just, so that what makes it hard is there's a couple of, um, uh, alien nests and these blood-sucking aliens keep spawning and blowing up in your face and one of the main mechanics in the game is you get distress and that distress cards block your um, actions that you can take and I just keep getting hammered by them um, I just yeah. I can't keep up with it I get a few tasks in and then I'm just completely completely overrun so man I I know it's possible to beat, but it's been really hard. So I think I'm just going to up the ante, I guess, with the oath and say that um, I'm going to swear to beat planet number six or at least uh, maybe not number six because I think I'm on again soon, but I want to beat that first mission for planet number six and unsettled because it's kicking my butt big time. You can do it. Oh, man. It's fun, but it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I struggled with the uh, first mission of the Green Planet. It's hard. Mm, I haven't got so. to the Green Planet yet. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Well, good luck, Jules. Thank you. Cool. And uh, Dan, what about I had two. Now, Destiny's I'm still playing. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of torn. I'm really, I'm really, really enjoying Destinies, but the way I chose to play it, because when you play solo, you can, you've got one, two, one of two options. You can play in Explorer mode or I think it's called Challenge mode. And Challenge mode is uh, it's kind of, um, I think there's certain th- actions, certain amount of actions you can do, almost like playing Seventh Continent, which I love. And then the, the time your time ends and you, you revisit and play again. And I kind of wish I had played it that way because I'm finding when I play as I'm playing with Explorer mode, there is just so much to do and so much to, and I'm loving the the way the story is written. It's like a big tapestry that's sort of unfolding as you 
as you reveal more places around the town and then suddenly the app says that, oh, now something's happened back at the church in the town square and I'm over, I'm three sort of maps, three tiles away and I'm like, oh, what do I do? I think I've, I really want to keep exploring here, but I think that person that's just rocked up at the town is probably tied to my destiny, which I need to find. And, and it feels really sandboxy and it feels like I'm, I, I'm in the, this, this sort of magnificent sort of story but there's no sense of urgency like when you play mm. seventh continent you've got that deck that's slowly sort of ticking away and ticking away and then as soon as that last curse comes out it's game over and you start again whereas here i'm just there's so much to do but and i feel like i'm i mean like a choose your own adventure but no I, I feel as I can probably take my time and explore everything. It's like playing Red Dead Redemption and doing every single little side quest <laughs> and looking under every tree and going off the path and finding everything. Mm. I feel like I'm doing that. So it's not that I'm not enjoying it, but I think th- there's probably more. It's more gamey if I was to play the the other version. So I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna yeah. finish this one out because I'm really close to fulfilling my destiny. Um, and then when I play th- the next few sort of stories, um, I think I'm gonna play the other sort of time style event. I think I'll enjoy that a bit more. Um, my other oath, um, it was uh, Goonies Never Say Die. Now I bought this because Jen and I are massive Goonies fan. And also, I'm a big fan of the um, Prospero, Prospero Hall and the games that they've done. I think they're a company, they're a group that are doing IP games really well. Um, I'm mm-hmm. still a big fan of um, Back to the Future, um, which I sizzled for uh, way back when. Um, and they even, they even do all the villainous games as well. But the problem that we found with Goonies Never Say Die, we opened up the box and then we realized that while it says two to five players, it's really not designed for two players because one person takes on the role of a DM. Oh, and so right. we decided not to play it. We're going to wait until lockdown is over and we're going to we're going to rope in Jen's brother and his partner and we're going to play it, the four of us, because they'd be Goonie fans as well. So why it's does it say two person, on the box then? Yeah, because one person plays the DM and the other person plays you know, up to four Goonies. Huh. And so yeah, it's right. like, that's not the kind of game that you play two players. You really want everyone to ass- assume a role. Someone plays Data, someone plays mm. Mouth, yeah. someone plays mm. Mikey. And the the DM has the adventures. That There's one big map, but you don't use the whole area when you play. Um, and it's and they control the Fratellis, and it's it's so thematic. It's really, really cool. We, we, we dug it out and had a look at it, and then we just went, yeah, we really can't play this, just the two of us. It's, we're not going to get the full sort of experience yeah. out of it. So yeah, we've cool. kind of shelved that, and we'll, once lockdown's over, we'll actually try and get it at the table with when there's four of us and, and really play it properly. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to triple down, but I am going to – I'm going to – add another oath that's that's quite a significant one because I have over the last couple of months been revisiting my top 10 from last year just to see where they settle and stuff. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to my Arkham Horror LCG and I'm going to try and um, complete the Dunwich Legacy, which was the Ooh, first nice. major cycle. Um, I played the Night of the Zealot one, although I didn't do Return of the Night of the Zealot, which adds more sort of experienced cards, more advanced cards to that that story. Um, but because I have a whole bunch of cycles which I've never touched, I'm going to start with the Dunwich Legacy, which I think I did play the first one and then just put it away. So I'm going to start from the start and try and play the whole Legacy. Probably not by the next time on the pod, because I think I'm on again in a couple eps. But, um, yeah, I, Dan Harris, whether I'm going to play and complete 
um, the Dunwich Legacy, and I'm pumped to get back into that as well because I've been playing if if it's um, if it's card game, I've been playing much more Marvel Champs, and I haven't touched Arkham for ages. So I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Cool. Well, that's all of us, right? Mm. That's it. Yeah. Sick. Fun times. Um, with that, it's the end of the show. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, Jules. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Dan. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Had Rach. fun. That was thanks good fun. Eddie. Cool. No worries. And uh, we shall see you on the next pod. Bye. 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 Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Barbecue Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, or YouTube, and you can find all of those links in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and here's hoping your next game is a sizzling one.